Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's One Million by One Million podcast. One Million by One Million, as you know, is the first global virtual accelerator for startups. We run this out of Silicon Valley, but with a global footprint. And these podcasts have been focused on bringing you conversations with entrepreneurs and investors. Today, we speak with Alistair Mitchell from EQT Ventures. Alistair, welcome. Great to have you. Great to be here. Thanks, Ramona. So tell us about your investing focus. How big is the fund? What size investments do you make? Let's uh, help our audience get to know your investment activity. So EQT Ventures, it's a relatively new fund. We've been going about 18 months. We started out of the Nordics, out of Sweden, which is uh, really the Silicon Valley of Europe, an amazing place with a phenomenal track record of building some global companies. Um, so we started out there. We're a $630 million fund. So we're pretty big. We invest um, in Series A through C, so multi-stage but fairly early. Um, and we um, invest in Europe and the U.S. Most of our investment, about 70% is in Europe, about 30% of that is in the U.S. With offices in uh, Stockholm, um, London are the two main offices, and then subsidiary offices in um, Amsterdam, Berlin, and where I'm talking to you from in San Francisco, in, in the heart of the valley. Um, and, and what type of ventures are you focusing on? It's all, it's all tech. So all tech of all varieties. We're pretty broad. So um, software and software-enabled hardware, um, which is most hardware nowadays, um, but pretty broad. We don't do um, biotech or, or pharma or, or things of that nature. But um, we invest across the board in, in, in technology. And, and above all, we, you know, we're a big fund. We're very ambitious, and we like to back very ambitious founders trying to create global category winners. So that's, that's kind of our, our, our mission. Um, we're, and is it B2B all, and B2C? B2B and B2C. Yeah, absolutely. And, okay. and are we all, I think what's an important thing to know, just tell you a bit more about the fund and what makes us a bit different is, and, and we can talk about this more, I guess, and talk about trends that we're seeing and so on. But we're, first of all, we're all operators, right? So there isn't um, any adult supervision in the building. Um, um, <laughs> in that we're all operator founders. Um, and there, there will be 30 of us um, beginning of next year. Um, and... My, my, I come from Accra, and I've actually been on this before. Um, for any of you listeners who've been on it before, which has been an honor for me to be on it twice now. But with my previous company, Huddle, which was a file sharing collaboration business, which we started in London and then grew across Europe into the US with some amazing investors in it. And um, after I exited that, I joined EQT and joined the dark side as an investor. So we, we basically came together to found a VC firm that we thought Europe needed for the point in time it was. And it was the sort of VC firm that we would have wanted if when we were all founders and operators. And what does that mean? Well, it means a big fund. Um, Europe has been on a huge tear recently um, in terms of the number of startups has exponentially grown um, over the last few years. Um, at an early stage, from a bunch of reasons, partly cyclical, partly due to the amount of exits that have spawned great angels investing, partly due to favorable tax breaks in places like the UK, that's really enabled people to go through the seed stage very fast. And then as those companies have grown, then you've seen Series A funds start. And, but there was always a big gap in, in you know, the growth stage from taking companies from A through to C, both from a money perspective, big funds. Um, we're able to back the most ambitious entrepreneurs with a lot of money. 
um, to create global category winners because Europe has always lagged behind the US in doing that. And secondly, um, the expertise to be able to do that and the network to be able to help those companies grow in Europe and in the US. And so we set up to do that, and that's why we raised a big fund, able to deploy checks of between $5 million um, to $50 million um, into companies with a starting sweet spot, you know, maybe around uh, $8 to $10 million. But, but in our biggest companies, we have you know, up to $50 million in those companies. Um, and so able to, to really help them grow. A bunch of operators who have been there, done it, seen it, both at the general partner level. There are four GPs. All right. Myself, I'm the B. Um, so, question. And, then, and a bunch of other um, great ones. We are, you know, we obviously are focused on early stages and, and mm. often very early stages. So, help us double click down on, on a couple of questions here. First and foremost, what is the size of the Series A investment that you make? And what are you looking for in terms of validation? Is it revenue, pre-revenue? What, you know, if it's a revenue run rate that you look for, can you help us understand what are the qualifying criteria for a Series A investment and what size Series A investment are we talking about as your first um, investment in a company? So I think the first thing is that the labels are changing a lot, right? So what was what it might be um, a, a seed round now with the Series A just a few years ago. Um, so then you know, founders are becoming more ambitious, they're growing faster, and they're raising more money. And what, what was, you know, the, the, what would people would look to do in revenue terms in a Series B a few years ago, now people are doing, I'm, we're seeing in Series A and even seed level companies. So things are changing rapidly because companies and founders are becoming so great, which is amazing. I mean, we... We, we, so, so you could say, yes, we Series A, but we do sometimes invest in sort of what you might call late seed. Um, so what does it start? I mean, I think that starts around, a, look, first of all, revenue is not necessarily important. And we, as we all know, we're trying to build great companies here. We've been, we have many companies that are even at Series A that are, that are not revenue generating at all, but I'm growing, you know, maybe they're building a great product on the hardware side and they're just about to go to market. Maybe they are um, growing a huge user base. So. I think it's less about revenue, um, although if you're a B2B company, there are some easier landmarks because generally in B2B, you monetize earlier. Um, B2B is probably we're talking about um, 80 to 100K dollars MRR. Um, yep. um, but really what we're looking for is product market fit, both on the yes. consumer side and on the, on the, on the enterprise side. So you know, mm -hmm. that's what we're obsessed about, product market fit and amazing founders. So. You know, assuming you've got an amazing founder, what are you looking for in product market fit? What does that mean? It's talked about a lot, but it's it's evidence that you have something from a technology standpoint. We're, we're technology investors first and foremost, so you mm -hmm. have a piece of technology um, that is doing something that no one else is doing, so that you have a, a differentiated edge to grow a very big business, and that there is evidence that people want that. So there is a huge market demand. Um, that it can, you know, in, in a, that could be a billion-dollar business uh, somehow over the course of this journey, and that you have a way to get customers, acquire them super capital efficiently, and, and delight them as you get them because you're solving this problem in a way that no one else can. So if you've got that, then that's really what we're looking for, and then and, and that you can prove that you can you can you can start to grow that, and that could be because you can hire a great team, because you're able to get it in front of a lot of users, or you're able to monetize it. So it's a very soft answer, but honestly, 
there aren't any hard and fast. That's fine. I, I get the same. Now, just one clarification. Is e-commerce part of your uh, investment thesis? Yeah, we have some e-commerce companies, absolutely. Um, um, we, we, we have more marketplace. I think we fair to say that we, we have several marketplaces. So we have, you know, a vacation rental company. Um, we have um, um, a company that is a uh, healthcare company, but that you could say is selling its services through e-commerce. And we have um, mm-hmm. some gaming companies. So I think, again, that the, the bands are fairly different. We, we probably have fewer pure e-commerce companies and more marketplaces and platforms in that area, but, but a, a lot of very okay. strong B2C companies, yeah. So let's double-click down into your portfolio and, and talk about some of the highlights. What, where are you seeing really interesting uh, companies emerge and what are some examples that you've invested in? And that will also give us a view of what is happening in Europe. Yeah. Well, I think the first um, thing I would say is that, um, as I said, we, we invest across the U.S. and Europe. So um, what, we're, what, what we're trying to be is the most preferred and trusted partners to entrepreneurs in Europe. So if you're looking to grow your company from the U.S. into Europe, we would love to be the go-to guys. That's our objective. And similarly in Europe, if you believe you're growing a global business, we want to be the, the go-to VCs. And so you look at our investments, you know, what have we, what have we done and what are the, some of the trends we're seeing and what are some of the, the stars? I mean, we, we have, we're lucky enough to have some incredible companies. The, the general thesis, as I said, is around differentiated, very strongly technical founders who we can then help to commercialize. And what is the common thing that all of these have in common when we talk to some of these companies well, they're doing something that is that Europe has a particular strength in, in a lot of cases. Um, either they have a big customer that needs a product, or there's a bit of technology that has spun out of a particular strength that Europe has, like in health tech, or in uh, in particularly parts of the marketplace and e-commerce marketplace areas, or it's in some of the deep tech AI and VR AR areas because that's where Europe has particular strength and is, is world leading. So that's that, that, that's some of the, the markets we look at. So let's talk to some of my companies. Well, let's talk on um, the B2B side, right, an area close to my heart. I'm a B2B SaaS guy. Um, we have mm-hmm. companies, um, uh, let's start at the sort of later stage and then work early. Some companies like HackerOne, who are a, a U.S. company, but with a very well-known European founder called Martin Mikos, or CEO rather, called Martin Mikos, who was the CEO of um, MySQL. Um, and they, um, we invested in them alongside Benchmark to help them grow into Europe. They're white hat hacking. Um, so cybersecurity, obviously a huge trend. Um, we have companies um, like uh, Codacy, um, a great company out of Lisbon, um, which is basically helping um, developers and uh, developer managers, CTOs, to standardize the quality of their code as, um, um, and to be much more efficient about how they um, uh, release new features. And that's an amazing company because it shows the rise of DevOps tools and how fast-growing on a bottom-up scale, and then they, they do some very big enterprise deals. But they're coming out of Lisbon, which is amazing because out of Portugal, which has not been known for its startup scene until recently. No. And traditionally, if you yeah. had to build a DevOps team, you'd have to say, well, that has to be the Valley. But actually, it's an amazingly fast-growing company doing huge deals into Valley companies, um, which mm-hmm. is very exciting with a young team out of Lisbon called Codacy. Um, similarly, out of a company called... Um, Anomaly, who are based out of Stockholm, again, DevOps, it helps um, um, IT um, admins and operations teams to manage all of their very large server clusters and server farms. 
Um, it's an AI tool, so it's hitting on DevOps, IT ops, um, AI out of Sweden, but again, then selling globally. Super exciting, and they're you know incredible. They, just to give an example of how good some of these companies are, they they haven't seen um, a customer churn in two years. You know, they literally have mm -hmm. zero churn, um, and 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 that's some of the exciting bad things doing. Um, that's on the B two B side, and then on the B two C side, uh, really exciting because. I think a lot of what Europe is does very well is, is really coming to fore globally now. So let's let's take health tech, right? We've got two some amazing companies in health tech. Um, one is it's called Min Doctor, and they are in the you know what used to be called telemedicine, but is now you know video medicine. So basically, you don't mm -hmm. go to your doctors anymore. You go and uh, you get, you do a virtual online um, um, consultancy, and this is something that Europe's leading. And there are four companies doing that in Europe. Min Doctor is probably the leading one, but there are um, um, that doesn't exist at all in the U.S. and it will be coming to the U.S. There's um, we have so we have Min Doctor, we have um, a company called My Tomorrows who help people get access to um, clinical phase drugs trials and new drugs um, mm. that um, so that they can solve you know very big um, currently you know unsolved um, diseases but, but there are now drugs and they make that available which is using data and the global information in, in drug development to help people. Um, with new and very dangerous conditions, which is an amazing mission. Um, yeah. And then, you know, one of the um, one of the coolest companies we invested in recently um, in health tech, which is called Natural Cycles, which has become hugely well known in Europe and is about to hit the US and go massive in the US and very early stage. And and that's an amazing story. It's basically a, um, the the world's first um, digital or electronic um, uh, approved contraceptive. So it is. It's it's uh, an app on your phone combined with um, a temperature taking thermometer, which basically will tell you on any given day do you have a red day or a green day. And the, mm -hmm. the, the couple that developed it uses they developed it out of, out of to get pregnant themselves out of fertility tracker. The the lady who founded it is an amazing woman. She she previously was part of the team that found the Higgs boson um, in CERN. Mm -hmm. She's an amazing physicist. Wow. Her husband is a physicist too. And, and in their spare time, in her spare time, she learned how to code, built this app, used yeah. it herself successfully to get pregnant, build a family, and then realized really cool. it was a bigger market for contraception. So just an amazing story. Yes, indeed. Well, um, a follow-up question to that is, um, can you uh, look at the 2017 deal flow, or you know, even in the last 18-month deal flow of your fund, and talk about where is the what are the pockets where there is really good companies in Europe right now? Is it France? Is it Portugal? Is it Stockholm? Is it Spain? Where where are you seeing the the really interesting activity? So, by deal flow, by numbers of companies started at a seed and a Series A stage. Um, London, the UK, still represents or has done during 2017, and and it was true in 2016. Um, over 50, just over 50% of all the deals in Europe. But, mm, okay. big but, two, two big buts. The first one is that um, that is changing rapidly because of Brexit. And actually yeah. a lot of those companies were actually European companies that moved to London and are now staying in where they started. So mm -hmm. Brexit is causing a huge boom. It's, it's a very sad thing for the London ecosystem, but it's causing a huge boom for Paris, for Berlin, for Lisbon, um, 
Um, and for um, less so for the Nordics, who always often stayed in the Nordics and able to great build a huge business there. But um, but also for other parts of Europe, some of the best companies we're seeing are now coming out of other parts of Europe, and that's the other change, which is that now we're seeing startups coming from all over the place. Um, you're seeing, you know, some of the fastest growing companies being formed out of Turkey, out of certainly out of Eastern, what it used to be Eastern Europe. Um, mm-hmm. um, and Berlin has always been strong, but that's growing. Munich's becoming faster. Paris has, has changed dramatically in 2017. That's probably the story of 2017 in Europe. Paris, has Paris is the story of 2017, yes. Yeah, I actually absolutely. met yeah. Macron before uh, uh, he started the campaign. He came here and I was invited awesome. to meet with him for a one-on-one meeting. And I didn't know he was going to run for president at that point. No, he was the amazing. industry minister of France, yes. Uh, yeah, so, you know, and, and the thing what he's done now is creating the biggest startup accelerator in Europe. Um, and, and now we're seeing also places like Lisbon, actually, has got a bunch of companies. I mean, Estonia has always been strong, but coming on strong, you've got, a, you know, you had obviously, it started off with Skype, and then you've got TransferWise and Pipedrive and, and some amazing companies coming out of there. Um, but just, you know, I think what you're seeing is just a real um, rise in other parts of, of Europe growing fast. And, and because access to capital is easier because um, access to customers is easier because we're all so much more global and travel more and um, it, yeah. it's, you're seeing companies pop up and then grow and expand very quickly, which is super exciting, spawned by a very strong angel and startup community, which is part of your mission, which is great. So, I mean, you're, you're definitely a part of that, which is amazing. So talk to me a bit about how you perceive the uh, seed um, Angel pre-Series A ecosystem in Europe. What are the trends that you see that in the investor pool that feeds into your deal flow? Well, I think the first thing is is there's been an amazing rise in the quality and number of angels. Um, partly spanned through, I said, tax breaks. Like in the UK, you've got the EIS scheme, which allows people to basically get a 70% break on on tax on the American investment. Um, um, by, by investing in these companies um, and, and not get any capital gains on it, which is amazing. So that's spawned a lot of angels. The other thing mm-hmm. is the quality angels has gone up dramatically because there's been a bunch of great exits and these guys are now funneling money back into Europe in the way that you've seen in the Valley in the last 20 years. So, you know, whether it's the Rocket Internet School coming out of Berlin, whether it's all of the gaming companies and, and food companies coming out of Germany and Sweden and the Nordics and Finland, if it's the um, fintech companies and the deep tech companies like AI and DeepMind coming out of London, these are all, you know, um, sporting the biggest VC deal in the world was done in London and Improbable by SoftBank. So, you know, there's, there's some great um, angels and early stage investments going on. Um, the other thing is you're seeing the rise of, you know, what we've seen, obviously, YC has been a, a huge powerhouse in, in the valley of great startups and dragging people from across the world. But now you're seeing in London, Seedcamp was one of the first, and they've, they've had very strong companies come out of there. TransferWise came out of there, amongst others. Um, and now you're seeing also things like Entrepreneur First, which is another London-based, very tech-focused incubator, doing very well and expanding to New York. And, and Reid Hoffman invested in them in Grey, with Greylock. So, you know, you're seeing, you know, and that's an amazing validation. So I think you're seeing just very strong quality. I would say, though, that the thing that is still getting there is still valuations are lower which is you can see mm-hmm. as a good or a bad thing. I see it as a bad thing just because I think it still means people are a bit more cautious and put in less money. So I think people, that still has to go a little bit. And people still think 
a little bit too small. I'd love to see you know, greater ambition on behalf of the angels and the early stage investors to encourage their founders to really blow it up and go take big risks and go for it and go again if that fails and go again until you get the one. But, but that has changed still. I mean, compared to when I started Huddle 10 years ago, it's dramatically changed. And even since five years ago, it's exponentially changed. So, you know, we're on a yeah. great path. I think I just encourage everyone to still think bigger. It's great to hear the enthusiasm you've ha- you have for Europe. I, uh, you know, I'm married to a European and I, I love Europe. I, we spent a lot of time in Europe this year. We spent a ton of time in London and Paris. And, uh, and I do see the energy change in Paris. And I do see the energy change in London as well, which is a negative energy change and it's kind of sad. But, uh, but overall, I do think that the momentum in Europe has improved and, and that's a good thing, very good thing. Um, what do you see as, you know, as a counterpoint or a, um, you know, transpose of the unicorn mania that we've seen in the Valley or in the U.S. over the 2014 to 16 time frame, which is starting to slow down here? I was just talking to an Indian investor, and in India, that trend is has really died down in 2017. But it went crazy for the 2014 to 16 period. India basically copied the exact unicorn mania phenomenon as Silicon Valley. What is your read of how Europe has processed or parsed unicorn mania? I think um, it didn't hit as nearly as big in Europe. um, they, they, it stayed a little bit more true to its roots. It's not to say it didn't grow some big companies. I mean, there have been some very big companies created, uh, grown during that period and will now exit and, and, and are coming through. But I think it didn't hit quite in so much the same ways. I think at an early stage, we've definitely seen um, a significant growth in valuations and the amount of money going in. Um, um, but, but I think it hasn't quite hit the hype and the mania. And I think the reason for that has been not because of not the quality of companies, but I think um, simply because there hasn't been the level, the size of the later stage funds yet with the sort of power mm-hmm. deployed to grow those companies. Um, and, and I think, so I think it's a good thing because I think if you look at the companies now coming out that are genuine unicorns, and by genuine, I mean they are doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, profitable, growing on a good IPO track, um, um, and so by in the public markets would be valued as a unicorn, not just a crazy private valuation. Um, Which is great. I think that is what you want. Exactly. That's exactly what you want. And if you look at those, yeah. there, are, there are a number of those in Europe. So it's not like there aren't any, but I think what you've just missed is because there aren't those huge mid to late stage funds with enormous dry powder funds that have to deploy them and are totally valuation insensitive, then you're, you're having that. I think also, I mean, there are some examples. I mean, probably it's one one sort of complete outlier, and I think they have their own challenges to grow into that valuation um, and prove that they actually they can back up on the, on the vision. But the interesting thing, I think, is also that Europe is a bit lucky in that the trend often takes a couple of years from the U.S. to hit Europe. And by the time it hit Europe, Europe was able to see the negatives of the downsides of that and the down rounds right. happening and the fact that those valuations were happening but with crazy terms that just benefited yeah. no one you know, on paper had benefited the investors, but actually benefited didn't benefit them, or certainly not the founders. Anybody, yeah. yeah, so, and, and, so it's, and that news very, good very that it didn't, it didn't derail the uh, progress yeah. in the ecosystem. Um, I think yeah. the, the truth is, in India, it derailed the progress of the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think but, you're from a lucky path on that one. 
Alistair, what are your parting comments to entrepreneurs in our audience who might be interested in working with you? I think, um, you know, I think uh, find the, the big problem, find the billion dollar problem. Not, it's not always evident early on, but keep on iterating until you figure that out. And, and, and then iterate and iterate and iterate as quickly as you can until you have that perfect product market fit. And don't be tempted just to think that sales solves product market fit. You, you can, in Europe, the biggest thing that we see is that you can grow in a local company, be the local hero and get some early stage and think that you have product market fit, but you don't. It's because you solve a very localized problem or you're, maybe you're a well-known founder and can get early press and local guys. But if you were to land in a very big market like India or the US or China, you wouldn't, you would struggle because you're relying on the quality of your local network and execution versus your ability to solve a big problem in a, in a beautifully elegant way and to capture customers yep. in a very cost-efficient way. So, yep. you know, focus on a big problem and then focus on that, that, you know, really effortless product market fit, which will allow you to grow very fast. And if you feel that you're pushing the boulder uphill, if you feel that you're growing linearly, even at a very early stage, then you haven't got that. Look for that, and, and it's, it's magical when it happens. And I was told, you know, at, at Huddle, you know, oh, you should look for effortless growth. And I thought we had that. And honestly, we never really had product market fit in a, in a true way. I would even see people like Box and don't really have it. it you know, they, they've really had to struggle and grow into it. Um, and yet companies, other companies in place like Dropbox did have it. So I think look for effortless growth, look for effortless product market fit. And if you are frustrated with the quality advice you're getting and you want a, a, a founder, you know, a VC to match your ambition with, with an operating team who can help you, you know, hire talent, and, and figure out product market fit and sales and marketing and execution and build the best product and hire the best tech team, then, that, you know, and you want people who have been there and done it and sat on your side of the table, even just a few months ago, then come talk to us and we'd love to help you. And if we can't help you because you're a bit too early, then what we will do is we will, we will help you still. We'll still dive in, help you fix, fix some stuff and hire some people. We'll, we'll find you some investors that maybe are very earlier seed investors that we love to work with, and then we'll come and invest in you as soon as you hit that kind of late stage, late seed series A, um, if you're early stage. And if it's late stage, then come talk to us right, right. Um, if you're sort of A to C, then come talk to us right away. But we would still love to help. And, and I think if you talk to any of our founders who work with us, hopefully they'd say the same thing. Awesome. Thank you, Alistair, for sharing your perspective. I'm sure it's very helpful for our uh, entrepreneurs to learn about what you like to invest in and how the ecosystem is shaping up. Thank you, listeners, for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please go to iTunes and review it. And um, for 1 million by 1 million free mentoring roundtables, look on the website 1mby1m.com under free public roundtables and register to pitch. We have working sessions every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time, and, and we look forward to working on your venture. See you soon. Speak to you next time. Bye-bye.